Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Luckily, there's so many ways you can make money in real estate, one of which is to flip a property. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that today, and we'll go through Flipping 101 on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way for you to get everything you've dreamed of? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms. I'd like to personally invite you to attend Create Your Future, the 2017 Goals Retreat, January 6th through 8th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2017 Goals Retreat on the first weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com to register. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist, co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. You know, we have lots of different ways we can make money in real estate. And one of the things you and I don't do a lot of is something we don't talk about a lot of, but we're going to spend the whole show talking about flipping today. The idea of buying a property, doing something to it, and selling it as a profit. You know, I think sometimes people think, oh, the real estate guys, they really don't think flipping is a good idea. That is far from the truth. You and I have both done flips in our past and both made money doing them. What we want to make sure we point out from the beginning is that our take on flipping is it's a great way to make money. It's just not really real estate investing. It's more like an activity or a job or a hobby where you can make some money. Well, I think just to make sure at the top of the episode here that we're really concentrating on uh, making a distinction between those two activities, uh, you know, investing, the way we think of investing is acquiring streams of passive income. You put your money to work and your money produces cash flow for you to live on. And you can invest to preserve wealth and hold it someplace. And then somewhere down the road, you liquidate that. And typically that's done over a period of time. So that would be a long-term investment. So you could kind of look at investing as being something you're doing somewhat passively, somewhat long-term. Yeah. Whereas you would look at flipping or any type of real estate development or, you know, any type of a business where you're involved in real estate where you are primary active activity and you're, you and your team are getting up every day and doing things specifically for the purpose of going from cash to asset to cash. And and when you finish the round trip, you end up with cash. Whereas I'd look at investing and say that when you end up doing the round trip, really what you're doing is you end up with the asset. And I say all the time, as far as investing goes, that your mission as an investor and as a business person really is to accumulate the efforts of others. Uh, and then investing being more of a passive activity. But today we're going to talk about flipping and it, flipping is not just actually having to do work. I mean, sometimes you just get in the flow of properties and you can make money really without even ever taking possession. Well, for us, it's really about the duration of the investment. The idea of a flip is something you're going to get into and out of pretty quickly. Now, how fast can that be? Instantly. One of the easiest ways to quote unquote flip property is just to bird dog properties. There's folks out there who they're just out looking for opportunity. They're maybe not in a position to take advantage of it, or that's just not their business model, but they know people who are. They network with investors who want that type of inventory, and they're out looking for stuff. And it could be a few phone calls, and you make a couple thousand dollars. That's a pretty quick cash to asset to cash. Not a lot of cash required to go do that business. The asset is just knowing the deal, and then you're right back to cash right away. So that's a, what we call, you know, kind of a bird dog. The next level of that is wholesaling. Wholesaling is really just the idea of tying up a property, finding a property, getting a market, getting a relationship, and then turning that over to the person who's actually going to take receipt of the property, if you will. They might be flipping it themselves. They might be holding it long term. They might be producing it as a, a commercial development, all kinds of things they might do with that. But the idea of a wholesaler is someone who's intent for from the beginning isn't to hold on, 
but to let go. Yeah, I think the way to get your mind around this is really to kind of map out maybe on a piece of paper the life cycle of a transaction. And you can say, okay, you know, somebody has a property or has built a property, and so there's a property in existence somewhere. And, or, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a developed property. I mean, it could be a piece of land. It could be an opportunity, mineral rights. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. But the point is, is that somewhere out there, there is this asset, and it is going to go through a series of activities as it changes hands until it gets to the ultimate long-term owner. And if you can think about that, everybody along the way has a need. Somebody needs to find a deal. Somebody needs to find money. Somebody uh, needs to dispose of something. Somebody needs a place to live. Somebody has some other activity involving the real estate, but they've got a need. When you can understand that, then you can look at it as an investor, as a business person and say, hey, if I can jump in there and add value. So you talked about the idea of just being a bird dog. I mean, we got people who come to us all the time. It's like, hey, you got a deal? I mean, finding a deal is hard for them. It's, it, it takes a lot of time. If you've got more time than money, and you want to get out there and really get to know a market and you're like, well, I don't want to go look at stuff because if I go look at stuff, then I don't have any way to execute. I don't have good credit. I don't have any money. That doesn't mean you can't get out there and learn the market. Just the act of getting out and learning the market is valuable. And somebody who does have the money or wants an opportunity can actually pay you a finder's fee or some type of a fee for service just for finding the deal and knowing the market. Now, the big disclaimer here just has to do with real estate brokerage and commissions and fees. Make sure you check with your advisor before you accept a fee based on a real estate transaction. But people do this all the time and there's ways to legally do it, which is what we'd recommend. You know, we know a lot of great flippers who what they do is they know an area or a product type and or they've got a great funnel of business. They've got a particular place they go. Some of them are really unique where they're finding properties and they're just turning these properties and they're making 25,000, 50,000, 300,000. A couple of friends of ours generally make seven to eight hundred thousand dollars a flip on high-end houses. That's great business. But to your point, it's one of the greatest ways to start in real estate is wholesaling or bird dogging, just getting out there, learning the market, meeting the players and finding people who have that need. I promise you the most successful real estate investors are really busy and they often don't have time to look for deals. They would welcome you coming to them with a deal and they're happy to pay you something for it. So when we're looking at, at a flip, you know, you mentioned adding value. I think of, of a flip as adding short-term value for a profit. Right. Adding short-term value for a profit. You're not in the deal long-term. You're not a piece of the action going forward. You're typically, you're getting in and you're getting out. Now, sometimes a flip, and and maybe the classic example of a flip, is a fixer-upper. You buy a house, it needs work, you do the work, and you sell it at a profit. And in certain markets, that works well. In lots of places right now, that's working pretty well. As we talked about last week with some of the markets slowing down, you got to be careful when you're going into a market if it's not vibrant. But there are ways that you can actually physically do work. And I know this is something that you've done. Yeah, you know, just making a distinction also in, in the idea of flipping, right? The adding value versus not adding value, you know. So we hang out a lot with Robert Kiyosaki, and he's slams people who flip. Yeah, but see, when he's talking about flipping, he's not talking about adding value. He's talking about speculators, people who buy a property and just sit on it, letting the market do the work. Now, we maybe don't have as strong of feelings as he does about it, but the point is, is he's very much about having control. When you're forcing the equity, which is what we call by adding value, you have control over buying something and making it worth more. You've got a plan. If your plan is, gee, I hope the market goes up, there's an old adage, hope isn't a strategy. You know, my my experience, yes, absolutely. I, I bought a home and it was uh, coming out of foreclosure and it was in horrible, horrible condition. It was the ugliest, ugliest duckling uh, in a in a pretty okay neighborhood. And so we bought it and uh, it was my very first time doing it. And I gave myself a two-month $20,000 budget and six months and $60,000 later, <laughs> we were almost done. Yeah. Now, fortunately, the market worked for me. And even though it took a lot longer and cost a lot more, at the end of the day, I ended up making hundreds of thousands of dollars on that particular property. Well, so, not only that, oh my goodness, what about an education? Yes. And, and, you know, that was a lot of what I did. I mean, the reason it took so long is because I was very hands-on 
on. I was in there with the trades guys. I, I really wasn't a trades person at all. I had no carpentry or electrical or plumbing or any even painting experience. I had very little experience. And I, I thought, you know, if I'm going to be in this business, I need to understand at least the basics. It's like, you know, I took auto shop for two years in high school. It wasn't because I wanted to become an auto mechanic, but I just said, you know, probably for the rest of my life, I'm going to own cars. It's a very expensive investment. Maintaining it is a, a big investment. And I'm going to be having to make decisions, financial decisions that have fairly big, you know, financial consequences based on my knowledge or lack of knowledge uh, about how a car works. So I thought, you know, I'm going to invest a couple of years and learn about cars. I don't work on cars today, but I can have a conversation with a mechanic. You know, and for most of your life and for maybe another couple of years, you're going to have to drive a car. And then after that, you're not. Right? <laughs> but you may still have to learn how to figure out what that noise is that you hear. Uh, okay. But it's a good example, right? Because if you're, if you're hands on, right, my first flip, I wasn't very hands on. I am still not very hands on, right? So for me, I had to be able to hire a crew, get bids, listen to different viewpoints, decide how much work to do, what we could turn around and sell and all that stuff. And we also had a very successful first flip. I think we made close to $100,000 in a pretty strong market. It was a multi-unit property. It was actually a two-unit property, the first flip that we did. And uh, it came out great. I, I would also say that the market uh, maybe had something to do with that. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at making a pretty sizable amount of money in a short period of time, that could get your attention. Yeah, it can. It also gets a tax guy's attention too. So that's one of the downsides of it because when you're doing that type of activity, it's considered an active business. And so you've got self-employment tax on top of ordinary income tax, whereas most investors are enjoying capital gains you know, long-term capital gains, which is taxed at a lower rate and doesn't have that self-employment tax in it. So it, it, there is a financial consideration to think about when you decide to get into this business. Uh, you're going to have to do enough volume for it to make sense for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way to know is to do a couple and find out, right? Now, if you watch those house flipping shows, and there's a lot of those, those are great shows to give you an idea of some of the things. I mean, there's a lot of drama and stuff that they do for TV, but the basic premise that, hey, we're going to take this problem property, we may or may not have a good understanding of its condition. We think we do. And then we get in there. And to your point, there's way more and it costs more and there's more time. And you've seen those shows where they lose money and they're upside down. And you've seen those shows where they make money. Pretty tough if your first flip is one of those that you're having to feed. Yeah. Well, the other thing is they often just show the gross profit. And any any business person knows there's a big difference between gross profit and net profit. You know, if I if I buy a property for two hundred thousand dollars and put fifty in, now I'm in for two fifty and I sell it for five hundred, you go, oh, I made two hundred and fifty thousand. Well, not so fast, right? Because your sales commissions could be twenty five thousand, you know, say cost of sales all in could be twenty five thousand or fifty thousand dollars on that. Right, transfer fees and taxes. You've got all that and you've got the income tax and, you know, then you've got, you know, whatever the holding costs out of pocket may or may not be included in that. So uh, there's a lot of things. The key is, is if you're going to be in the business of flipping, it's like anything else, you know, figure out everything going in and figure everything going out. And it's about doing the math. And as I always say, do the math and the math will tell you what to do. Yeah. You know, you really got to watch those TV shows. I'm not so sure I would. Now, radio's fine. But you're <laughs> on the radio is good. It's all good. We're talking about flipping properties today. Is that right for you? If you're just getting started in real state, it could be a way to go. If you're looking to create some fast cash, flipping might be for you as well. More when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Wall Street and banks spend billions of dollars per year in advertising with the goal to convince you that they are the solution. But take a look around. None of their advice has worked. The number one concern of all Americans is still money. So are you ready for another way? I've spent the last 10 years teaching people like you a superior way to build wealth and financial independence outside of Wall Street. 
I've developed a free e-learning program called Infinite 101, where you can learn about the perpetual wealth strategy. In this free program, you'll learn how to build your wealth without a 401k, IRA, or mutual funds. You'll also learn how to establish private financing without ever having to walk into a bank again. These are just two of the many ways this free program can propel you toward financial independence. Simply go to paradigmlife.net and click on the register button on the top right corner of the page to gain instant access. Hi, this is Chris Martinson, author of Prosper, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're talking today about flipping property, the idea that you might invest in a property short term. And when I say invest, I mean you're going to come up with some money, some funding. We'll talk about sources for funding. You're going to buy the property, perhaps, or maybe you just flip the contract to somebody, and then you're going to do some work or not, maybe have some value add and then sell hopefully for a profit and go do it again. In our world, that's kind of what flipping is. Now, we actually do a lot of flipping in our lives. It's just something we don't talk about very much on the radio, and it's not the kind of flipping you would think. We do flipping when it comes to land development and raw land, where we'll buy a piece of land and we'll get it subdivised and we'll sell the pieces, and that's flipping property. On a high level, the same thing. It's a short duration, not intending to hold it, intending to add some value and sell for a profit. It's the pizza principle we talk about. You go buy the pizza for $20, and then you sell slices for 5 bucks each. 10 slices, and now you've got a $50 pizza. And you, what value did you add? You put it into bite-sized pieces and put it in a place where people didn't have access to the pizza and they were willing to pay for it. It's the same thing. You know, I've noticed that at certain times, pizza is a lot more desirable than at other times. Yes, that's true. Like, you know, about 3.30 (laughs) a.m. on the fourth night of the summit, when you're wandering around with all your new friends and you're having an amazing time, pizza seems like a good idea. Yeah, no restaurants are open. Only the bars are open and you're in desperate need of something to soak up the libations. There you go. Well, hey, let's talk about one thing before we kind of move on to where do we get the money to do these kinds of deals because as we talked about at the beginning uh, when you're wholesaling or bird dogging you don't necessarily need a lot of money you might be able to what we call assign the contract so if it's not just a bird dog situation where hey i'm calling my buddy and telling him i met someone who's looking to sell their house that's perfectly valid to do that but what most real wholesalers do is they go and they get a property in contract and they write the contract in their own name or a nominee or a signee they make it an assignable contract where somebody else can step into the shoes of the buyer and that brings up a couple of issues we could spend hours talking about the legal issues of that but let's just bring up a couple things that you need to know if you're going to get in that position First of all, there's the ethical issue. You're tying up a property that someone is wanting to sell. There's a human being on the other side of that transaction. So just to run around and tie up a property, in other words, take it off the market while you're scrambling around hoping you can find a buyer, you know, always operate in good faith because you only have one reputation. So I think that's important. The other thing is if you're not careful about the terms of the contract, you can end up on the hook for something, your earnest money or maybe even damages depending on the contract uh, if you don't perform and you don't find somebody to assign it to. And I think the other thing to think about is that, you know, there's a lot of these courses out there that teach people how to do assignable contract and they paint all the sunshine and they don't give you the reality. And you get a lot of bad actors out there that run around all foamed up, you know, and they start writing these assignable contracts. And then there's a reputation in the community uh, for people who are trying to do that. I know when we've gone in and written assignable contracts, people say, well, why are you putting this in here? Well, it's because we're going to form an entity that is going to hold this or because we're syndicating and we're going to form an entity and we need to be able to assign it and just be prepared to be questioned on why are you writing an assignable contract. If you tell somebody, I'm going to do it because I'm going to close in my own name or I'm going to be a principal, and then you don't do that, and that's a condition of them entering into the contract with you, that's fraud. Yeah, and and there's a couple things about that. The first is we always believe in fair and open dealing, but in any real estate transaction, there are certain cards that the buyer and the seller have that they aren't going to play necessarily, and that's why we always advocate for having an agent involved or even two agents whenever possible, one representing the seller, one representing the buyer. And a lot of the situations where people are wholesaling, there's not an agent involved, although some of those folks are licensed. It's part of what they do. But just understand that you're making a 
offer based on a set of facts. And if you know for sure that you're not, you have no intention of closing on this, just be upfront about that. Now, there was a time in our life where we did a lot of this from the brokerage side and we were in a couple of markets grabbing properties and assigning them really quickly because the markets are moving fast. We had a whole bunch of investors who were interested in buying properties in these markets and we were able to go in and get those assignable contracts negotiated because we could show that we had the wherewithal to close. Mr. Seller, I completely understand why you might not want to see an or a signs in the contract, but let me explain what's going to happen. Our intent is to go to one of our two or three seasoned investors who are likely to take this property right off of our hands. But if not, we're prepared to close ourselves. And we were. We were ready to close if we wanted to. I wanted to be my number one best client, right, as a real estate agent when I used to do that. And so we often would end up closing on a property, but we always gave the first opportunity to our investors. And so an assignable contract works. You just want to understand the ramifications. And then what about how the escrow is done or the closing, depending on where you live and how those uh, transactions happen. You're going to want to talk to local counsel or at least somebody at a closing company or title company or a lawyer who does that kind of work to understand how an assignable contract works. There's things called concurrent closings and we won't get into all that on this show, but just you have to know that part of it if your plan is to get in a contract and then assign it to another party. Well, I do think there were some great things that you had in there that I want to draw attention to because I think it's important, you know, having done this and having seen people do this. I think the first thing is, is that you were out wholesaling as a service to a group of investors that you had already cultivated. Yeah. And so you were earning a fee for doing that. And that was fine because you were adding value and you were also adding value to the seller because you had cultivated buyers. So it's kind of a way to be a broker, but you're not a broker because you're a principal because you're entering into the contract yourself. Second thing is, is you were fully disclosing your intention to the seller. You weren't pretending that you were going to be the principal and then assign it to somebody after the fact because legally you had the right to do that and they end up with another party in the deal that they didn't even know was going to be in the deal and that's one of their concerns you know if you're listening to this you should be aware of but you know you were dealing straightforwardly the third thing is is you were prepared to close on it yourself if they didn't it wasn't just saying that you were prepared to close but I mean, I watched you do it several times where you did. And yeah. then you took possession and later on sold the property because for whatever reason, the investors didn't come through or, you know, you, you had more opportunity than you had investors, but you didn't want to let the thing go. You said, hey, I would be happy to own this for the next six or eight months until the right investor comes along. So the point of that, if you want to be in the business of wholesaling, before you go out there really and start looking for properties, what you want to do is go start looking for investors that you're going to assign to, cultivate that. So think of it like kind of an assembly line. We talk about this a lot at our syndication seminar. You know, if you can imagine a circle in the middle uh, where the transaction is going to occur and you're going to make money, you've got one pipeline of deals. You have to be out there marketing to find deals. And then the other pipeline is investors. You know, if you're syndicating, you're looking to raise money. If you're uh, wholesaling or flipping, then you have to have people that you're going to sign the contract to. But you have to have people on both sides of it. So you have to have a flow of deals and a flow of people. And you can start working on both of those at the same time. But when you throw a contract down, you better make sure you've got the money somewhere or the investor somewhere on the line ready to go. Well, this is the classic milk and cereal when it comes to wholesaling. You're not going to get the attention of an investor without a deal, and you're not going to get a deal unless you're out there working it. And the first deal you get, if you don't have someone to flip that to, right? So this becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it takes time to build that database up. But you want to do that. You want to have dozens of investors in your Rolodex that you can go out and say, hey, I've got a deal. You've got your short list and you've got folks that are happy to take those deals. Well, to me, I, I would rather err on the side of building the investors first, right? Because you can go out there and talk to people and say, hey, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to concentrate in this product type in this area and I'm going to find these kind of opportunities. And if I find something that looks like this, is that something you'd be interested in? Don't have anything right now, but if I did, would you take my call? And somebody says, yes, great. You put that in your notes and you get a stack of cards or you build a little database or whatever 
whatever, however you keep it. And you keep a profile on all those people because now you've got a chip to go play in the property market because now you've got live buyers, right? You've got people who are going to take these properties. If you do it the other way around and you find a great deal and you wrap it up and then you're running around looking for people, now you get into some of those other concerns we talked about earlier where you're on the hook for a contract you can't close on, you've represented something to somebody that isn't necessarily accurate, and then you end up getting a bad reputation in the property side of the market. If you go out there and tie up properties and then don't close, then that's just the kiss of death as far as your reputation in a market. You can get away with that maybe once or twice, but if you're doing that on a regular basis, nobody's ever going to go into contract with you. And it's the same on the other side. As a wholesaler, you're going to develop pipelines of inventory. Yeah, there's the one-offs. There's the mom and pops who you find out that somebody's selling or has a situation or needs cash, but you're also going to develop some of these unique pipelines, ways to go out and get inventory, and that's an important part of your business. We're talking about flipping properties, short duration holds, and lots of ways to make money when we come back we're gonna play real estate trivia and we've got more ideas on where you can get the money to flip your next property you're tuned to the real estate guys radio program i'm your host robert helms real estate investment advice right in your mailbox sign up for the free real estate guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're so glad you tuned into the show today. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. You can go back into the archives and hear lots of our shows. If you're listening on the radio, go to realestateguysradio.com, and you can do that. If you're listening with your favorite podcast provider, well, you know what to do. Easy, easy stuff. Hey, we're talking today about flipping properties, something we don't talk about a lot, but there are a lot of great podcasts specifically on flipping and all the nuances of it. But today we're really talking about some ideas for those looking for opportunity. I might be a long-term real estate investor and I just want to flip some properties for quick cash, or maybe it's a way to get started in real estate before we get back to that discussion. It's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In just a minute, we're going to give you a real estate question, and you are going to come up with your best guess. And you're going to want to do that because if you're the first person with the right answer, you're going to want a copy of Tax-Free Wealth, a great book by CPA Tom Wheelwright. That can be yours if you know today's Real Estate Trivia question. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, your mailing address, and the answer to the question, and we'll send you a copy of Tom Wheelwright's book, Tax-Free Wealth. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, it was clues in the news. We asked this, where in the world was the first escalator built? Well, the answer was in New York at Coney Island. Jesse Reno, an 1883 engineering graduate of Lehigh University, invented the first escalator, which he actually called the inclined elevator and installed it alongside the old iron pier at Coney Island, New York. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Which state has the largest capital city by population in the U.S.? Right, every state has a capital. Some are big cities, some are small cities. Which of the 50 states has the largest city by population as its capital? If you want to take a guess or if you think you know or if you live there, send us your answer right away to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia 
at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, your mailing address, and the correct answer, and you can be the winner of Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about flipping properties. We've spent some time on the shortest duration, which is wholesaling. Now let's talk about when you're actually going to take control of a property. You're going to buy it. You're going to do some work, or maybe you're going to change the use. You're going to do something so you can sell it at a profit. And the first thing to talk about is where do we get the money? Yeah, one of the things that a lot of flippers have as a challenge is they're buying a dog property, like yeah. the property I bought. You know, what I ended up doing was getting a loan. It wasn't a great loan, but I got a loan and I had to put in a big down payment. And then I was able to do the work and then I was able to refinance on the back end with a better loan and a higher LTV. Why? Because the collateral was better. I made the collateral better. This is critical. If you borrow money on real estate, the lender's concerned with two things. How are you going to pay them back? And what happens if you don't? And the what happens if you don't has to do with the collateral. If you're buying a beat up, run down, terrible house, that's not good collateral for the lender. Now, there are people who will make those loans and we'll talk about that. But if absent a big checking account and the ability to buy the property, get all the labor and all the materials and then wait why it sells, you're going to have to come up with some strategies. Yeah. So, you know, if you have cash, your own cash, that's probably the easiest. You could go raise cash from other people and put together a simple syndication. You could use credit lines, you know, just your credit cards or trade lines at the home improvement store or whatever for the supplies and the things that you need. One way to finance your activity is through your payables. If you can get a 30 days or 45 day terms from vendors, and if your flip is going to take less than that, then you can use the credit that they extend to you to get the products and services you need into the property and then pay them from the proceeds coming out the back end. Of course, you always run the risk, as do they, that you won't be able to be liquid on the back end. It'll take longer to sell the property than you anticipated, which is probably something else I'm sure we'll talk about here. But in terms of finding money, that's that's a way to go. You, you talked uh, or at least alluded to hard money lenders, people who make private loans. There are specialty lenders who are happy to make these kind of loans. They understand what you're doing. They understand the risks. You're going to pay quite quite a bit more in terms of points and interest rates. But when you factor all that into the cost of doing the job and you end up making money at the end of the day, it's probably okay. Sure, you'd like to cut your costs, but doing the deal with expensive money versus not doing the deal with no money or cheap money doesn't matter. Another way to do it is you have, if you have a, a, a property that does have accessible equity, we're back in the world where you can do cash out refinances. If I have a good property with lots of equity, a prime piece of collateral, I'm willing to put that collateral at risk. I can transfer effectively the equity equity from good property A to junky property B. So I borrow it four or five percent on my great property and then use that to go purchase the property that I'm going to flip or fix up and, and sell. And then I can either retire the loan or I can just use that, keep turning that equity uh, from my first property, and all I have to do is be able to make the payments along the way. So that's a, that's another source of capital. Well, you can certainly, beginning with end in mind, if this is a business model that appeals to you, set up a plan to eventually be able to roll the profits in so that you do bankroll your own flips, right? A lot of the successful people we know who are doing this, they've just bankrolled their profits over time. Now they're sitting on a big chunk of their own line of credit, if you will, that makes sure they can move instantly on a good deal. Yeah, well, Terry Kerr over there at Mid-South Homebuy, in, in Memphis, Tennessee, is probably one of our favorite case studies in this. He started out his career just out there buying, you know, little houses and fixing them up. And then he'd, he'd fix up two or three and sell them. And then he'd had enough money to leave some money in. He'd keep one. Yep. And then he'd kept doing that. And pretty soon he'd sell three or four and he'd keep another one and sell three or four more and keep another one. Now he sells two. Anyway, he built up a portfolio of like 200, 300 properties that he owns in his own portfolio. He built a whole property management business around managing his properties. And then he continues to flip properties to his customers and provide them property management services. So a brilliant business model. And now he's got credit lines with the local bank. I was and just going to say, speaking of Terry, he's evolved to the point where he's bankable as a flipper. So he's got a credit line available from a local banker, not from some big you know, institution, but from a local banker who's seen his work in the community, who says, Terry, I'm happy to fund that for you. 
at higher than long-term hold interest rates, but a lot lower than hard money rates. Yeah. So, you know, he's a guy that just really figured it out. And I think if you ever get a chance to work with Terry, you're going to find out, as we found, he's just a straight-up class act. You know, he's a great guy. He's got a great reputation. He takes great care of his people. He takes great care of his customers. And I'm sure he takes great care of his bankers and they love him. And, you know, that's what a banker is looking for, somebody they can invest in because they're trying to turn, you know, they've got capital. They're trying to turn a profit on that capital, too. If you're a money-making machine like that, then you're going to find people that are lining up to give you money. Now, earlier when we were talking about wholesalers, Russ, you brought up the point that you have to kind of build both sides of your business. You need to have deals and you need to have people to buy the deals. Now, it's a little different for some people who are rehabbing properties because there's kind of two categories. I can rehab a property and sell it to an investor, which is what Terry does. He sells to investors. And so what he sells is a turnkey property. He bought it as a dog. He fixed it up beautifully. He put a tenant in, let the tenant season, and then he sold a completely packaged rental property. And that works for some folks. Most folks who flip, they're trying to get in on Terry's side of the business. They want to buy that ugly duckling and turn it into something. But your decision is who do you sell to. And the reason that's important, if you're relying on the market, if you're selling to an owner-occupant, arguably you might make the most money, but you are completely reliant on the buyers in the marketplace and what happens when that well is dry and all you have to offer is price. Whereas if you focus on investors, those folks make different decisions for different reasons and it's a completely different demographic. So that, I think if you're going to rehab property, that's a fundamental decision to make. It is. And it's a very strategic decision. You know, we have a situation right now in Dallas, Texas, which has been a very, very tight market for inventory for investors. And that's because it's just such a hot real estate market. We have somebody there that's got a lot of inventory. And so the, the reason they have that is because they go out there and they've developed a reputation in the community as far as being able to take inventory off people's hands, you know, that uh, want to dispose of a property, whether it's a, a REO, you know, type situation or whatever. They buy these houses, the foreclosure market or whatever. They find these distressed properties. They fix them up and they made the strategic decision to sell them below what they could get at the consumer, the retail level to sell to investor. And somebody asked him on the last field trip, why do you do that? And he said, well, because if I sell to a homeowner, that's a one and done, and I'm probably not going to sell another property to that person for three to five years. Maybe they give me a referral. If I sell to an investor, they might buy two or three a year every year for the foreseeable future. And so I can do a lot more volume. And the idea is I can make a fast nickel instead of a long dime. And and that's just a principle of understanding that when you're in the business of flipping or turning inventory, quick, faster is better. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're talking about flipping. We'll come back some other considerations if you want to get into this business. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you want to retire in the next five years or less through real estate, then please pay close attention. My name is Brad Sumrock, and I've taught thousands of my students how to replace their incomes, quit their jobs, and retire faster than they ever thought possible by not investing in single-family homes. You see, there's a secret to retiring fast with little risk, and it has nothing to do with being a landlord, fixing toilets, or flipping houses. The secret is multifamily apartment buildings. Now, this is not your typical no-money-down real estate training. We believe in smart, hard work for intelligent people. So if you're good with your finances, have a decent job, or saving your money, and you're looking for a change in getting out of the rat race, then investing in apartment buildings might just be the answer you've been looking for. Send an email right now to sumrock at realestateguysradio.com to get the details of my upcoming training event, and you'll also receive my free training webinar, Apartment Investing for Beginners. That's sumrock, S-U-M-R-O-K, at realestateguysradio.com. Stop for a moment. Why are you listening to this show? Are you dreaming of a bigger, brighter financial future? More personal freedom to live life on your own terms? What if there was just one skill that could make it happen? There is. Sales. Robert Kiyosaki says every entrepreneur must be good at sales. It's true for investors too. Sales is how you attract money, people, and opportunities. Sales is the skill used to negotiate deals and lead your team. Sales skills are essential to success. The good news is, it's a learnable skill. The great news is, we've created a two-day interactive workshop to teach those skills to you. 
Make plans today to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People, Mastering the Art of Financial Selling. For dates and details, send an email to sales at realestateguysradio.com or visit realestateguysradio.com and look under events. Gain the skills you need to succeed. Email sales at realestateguysradio.com or look under the events tab at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Doug Casey, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. With me, Russell Gray, co-host financial strategist. We're talking about flipping properties. Hey, one of the things you're going to have to get good at is selling. Make sure you come out to our sales workshop, how to win funds and influence people. All the details on our website are realestateguysradio.com. So let's say that you've decided I want to get in this business. The flipping is for me. I can make a lot of money, and you can. Some things to talk about, and I think one of the con concepts there is in real estate in general, this is very true for this segment of the marketplace, is we make our money not when we sell, but when we buy. Right. you got to buy where there's enough room. So you have to know the takeout market. You really have to know the takeout market. In other words, what is this property going to be worth and how fast will it sell and who will it sell to, like we were talking about before the break. And you've got to have that figured out because that's your exit strategy. You never go in until you know how you're going to get out. And what you're going to be able to get out is going to tell you what you can afford to put in on the front end. And if you don't buy right on the front end, then you're going to pay the price on the way out. And so you make money by buying right on the front end. But the way you do that is by knowing what the back end is. Absolutely. And that's critical. Now, what else could possibly go wrong? Well, only a thousand things. Again, <laughs> what happens with property is this. There's, there's this interesting discussion we sometimes have about which would you rather buy? An existing property that's already proven or develop a property ground up? And some people are like, oh, I wouldn't want to develop. That's just so much headache. I'd rather buy an existing property. And other people are like, wait a minute. I have no idea what's buried inside of somebody else's development 10, 20, 30 years ago. I'd rather have a clean slate. It's not a right or wrong. It's just knowing that when you're going to buy a property that needs work, you can't always see everything. Right. So on the exit strategy, one of the things to think about is speed. You know, we talked earlier about the idea of who you choose to sell to, because if you can do more volume quicker, then maybe that's the way you want to go. If you're takeout buyer or homeowners, then you've got to be paying attention to the retail mortgage market because that's probably how they're going to buy. And so we saw a lot of people back in 2008 when the retail mortgage market died, these flippers were stuck holding inventory that they had put money into and they couldn't sell because the purchasing power of the buyers went away. You might think, oh, I'm a flipper. What do I care about long-term mortgages? Trust me, you care if your buyers are going to be doing that. So that's one thing to think about. The other thing is, is that if the market goes from being a hot market where everything just sells real fast now what do you do what strategies can you use to say hey if there i have to find a way to get my unfair share of the buyers. Well, and that's a great point. There's lots of ways to do that. One of the best ways, in my experience, is to get just the best, absolute, most fabulous real estate agent that you can find. It's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. 20% of the agents sell 80% of the property. It's more like the 98-2 rule. Well, it probably is. But in most markets, it's it's at least 80-20. And in, in lots of markets, it's more than that. Meaning that there's only a handful of really great agents. So what you don't want to do is save a point by finding some discount broker or having your brother-in-law list it for you. That is not a recipe for success. If you're all mired up in the one point or a one and a half point that your broker is going to make, you're not in the right deal, to your point earlier, Russ. you got to buy right. You want to make sure you've got an excellent agent because it's not just your primary exit strategy. It's multiple exit strategies. What if you had to sell for cash? What if you had to sell quickly? What if you had to discount? What if you had to keep the property and rent it? There's all kinds of ways out of a deal, but you better have thought of them before you get in. Yeah, I think the rule of thumb is don't go in until you know at least two or three ways you're going to get out, and specifically on the real estate agent thing, and I think this is important. A lot of people are trying to squeeze a little extra profit on the back end by looking for the discount agent, big mistake. And especially if the market turns on you, you got to figure out a way to ratchet up to the top. I'd rather throw an extra half a point or a point onto the commission to motivate every agent in town to be at the top of the list, right? If you give your agent a little bit more love to spread around to the agents who are going to be bringing in the buyers and you're working with an agent that's got a big buyer list himself or herself, you're going to get your unfair share. Now, you may not have to do that in a red-hot market. Great. But if you penciled it into your deal and don't have to use it, 
keep it. But if you pencil it into your deal and then some for some reason the market turns on the middle of the deal, you have that arrow in your quiver. Now, this brings up a really interesting topic when you're talking about rehabbing specifically, and it's this. Often, folks who are flipping properties get beat out of the deal by an owner-occupant. In other words, you know what price you need to be able to buy the property at to do the work and sell it and have enough margin. But the guy who's buying it to live in it, there's those one-time rehabbers, like maybe you were once, Russ, where you bought the property, fixed it up, and then lived in the house. Well, that person will always pay more for it than you will because they don't have to make a profit. That's not what they're ending up with. They're ending up with a house. And so the less work, and this is another important concept, the less work there is to do, the more competition there is from those kind of buyers and buyers in general. And so if there's a lot of work, I mean heavy foundation, walls, all the stuff, difficult stuff that has to be done, there are fewer people at the door for those properties and often better margin. Yeah. And so here is where your team is everything. Because what I didn't do right the first time is I approached it like an A student. And so what I did is I went to every class and I learned about tile and I learned about plumbing and I learned about everything and I bought all the equipment and it was like I was going into a business to do it all the time. I'm only doing one house and I never had any intention of doing it all the time. It was only ever going to be one house. So part of it was about getting the education, but because I took that path, it went very slowly. If I was doing it on a regular basis, it would not be smart for me to do the educational thing, right? It would be much better for me to spend time finding the experts and organizing and leading the team and holding them accountable to producing a result than trying to be every player on the team myself. Well, and let's talk about this part of the business and who your team is. Certainly a real estate broker that can help you find deals, but a lot of times you're finding deals through wholesalers or you are that wholesaler and you're finding off-market stuff and that's great. But you do have a team that's going to help you figure out what it's going to cost, especially if you've not done it before. What does it cost to replace the roof? What does it cost to update the kitchen and the bathroom? Well, that's a, a skill set that you need to acquire. And having team members that actually understand what you're doing and they can value engineer the flip. Somebody might say, well, it, it cost $20,000 to do the roof, but you get a 30-year roof and you get this and that and the other thing, right? right. You're like, well, I don't need that. I'm not going to get my cost recovered. If I just throw a $5,000 roof on there, the house will probably sell maybe for not quite as much, but enough versus putting another $15,000 in and not getting that back out again. So this is where your team can help you and your real estate agent can help you because they'll understand what the market is willing to pay for and what the market isn't willing to pay for. And so that's real important. It goes back again to knowing kind of the back end. And I think the other thing about team is that it gives you, if you build it right, the ability to take on a hard problem where the rest of the competition fears to tread. Somebody says, oh, I wouldn't know how to deal with a foundation problem. Well, that's because you're thinking you have to know how to deal with right. a foundation problem. You don't. You have to know a guy who knows how to deal with a foundation problem. You have to already know him. And then you call him and say, what's this going to cost? And he gives you an accurate number like that. And you get it fast and you can make a decision instead of spending two weeks or three weeks to figure that out. Go find the guy, come back, the deal's gone. You can charge in. And then if you get good at solving unique problems, because sometimes certain geographies, they kind of have problems. Like there are certain geographies that are really moist and they are they have mold problems. A lot of people are afraid of mold. You might become like a mold expert, like, hey, bring it on. I'm not afraid of mold. I got a great mold remediation team. I know my numbers down cold. I'm so good when they made me, they broke the mold. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever your specialty is. That's absolutely true. And when it comes to team, loyalty pays off. See, in the trades, it's common that certain trades will come out and do an estimate for no cost wanting to do the work. You don't want to just take advantage of that and have three estimates done every time and then you keep using your same guy. At some point, you develop a relationship where you know how to cost. Now, a lot of the guys like Terry, Terry can cost a house. I mean, he can walk through and in 15 minutes, he can cost a house and be within 5 or 10%, but he doesn't. He's got his right-hand guy that does that work, who knows that market, who knows exactly what's available in terms of material, labor, equipment, and can get that to the exact amount. And when you're starting out, you do need to leave some fudge in it because a thousand things could go wrong, and most of them will. Yeah, and I do think that that loyalty factor is important. You know, it's it, you have to trust but verify, right? If you give somebody all your business and they know they've got all your business, there's a temptation for them to take a little bit of advantage of you. So you might bid the job every once in a while 
while just to keep them honest. Uh, and then you go back and you have a conversation. But most of the time, if you will give your business to your main team, you have your A team, and maybe spread a little love because it's always good to have a backup. It kind of keeps everybody honest. But you give your primary business to your main team, they're going to be loyal to you. And when those things happen, those things go sideways that could make or break you. You don't want somebody saying, you know, this guy's always bidding me down. This guy is always, I can never make any money with this. I'm going to screw him because I can, and then I'm done. I'm done with him, but I'm going to get my digs first. You don't want that. <laughs> you do not want, you want just the opposite. You want a guy to say, you know what? I'm willing to lose money or break even on this deal just to keep this guy happy because he's such a good customer. That's who you want to be. One of the greatest things about real estate are there are so many ways to make money in it. We think flipping is a great way to make some money. It's not necessarily investing, but it's short term. And there's times when you need to take advantage of markets and go out and make a bunch of money. Speaking of A-teams, oh my goodness, we're in the middle of assembling the faculty for the 2017 Investor Summit at Sea. Our 15th anniversary. It's I can't crazy. believe we've been doing it for 15 years. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. We're uh, we're ready for you to sign up. All you have to do is go to the website at estateguysradio.com and click the button that says summit you'll learn what stage we're at in the registration process it is filling up nicely we're uh, we're ahead of schedule and there's cabins left though don't don't miss the boat it's going to be an amazing amazing time the faculty is world-class and we're going to continue to add faculty right up to the last minute yeah so i think you know if you're out there looking at the summit just a couple things to think about one is is if you have any sizable amount of wealth or plan to that you're concerned about there are so many things going on right now that you really need to be aware of so you can begin to get in position to take advantage of it not be rolled over by it right I mean I look back over the things that we've learned over the years and the moves that we've made and we've seen people make in order to be in a good position because stuff happens we found that out in 2008 and sometimes it happens fast better to be prepared and not have a crisis than to have a crisis and not be prepared and so for a lot of us the summit is the opportunity to do that I think the other thing is is if you're out there and you're just feeling stuck you're like hey you know what? I'm just kind of itchy. I, I want to make my life different. I'm listening to this show. I'm trying to learn. You can compress time frames. You can learn more in one week than you would learn in two years or three years of listening to podcasts and attending seminars. And it's not just what you learn, but it's how you learn because you have these interactions and the way you process and how deep you go. And even more important than that, it's who you get to know and how they get to know you. And you become part of this fraternity that we have of these summiteers, these people all around the globe that know each other, that stay in touch with each other, that share market intelligence, solve problems together. I mean, it's just been amazing these last 15 years to look at what's happened. And that's why we get so many amazing people to come back every year, not just the faculty, but the summiteers themselves come back year after year because it's just such a rich experience. Absolutely. It takes place April 1st of the 9th, 2017. And the only thing missing is you. Get to the website and check it out at realestateguysradio.com. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.